0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. The time we find ourselves in, we talked about this last week, is a, it is a time of intercession and prayer. Prayer and worship. The two things a believer in the Western world seems to be the most uncomfortable with is prayer and worship. If I asked any one of you right now to stand and begin to pray over this service and pray as the Lord gives you utterance, how many of you would be uncomfortable? It's okay, be honest. Every hand, I saw it all. Everybody's hand was up. That's good. Thank you for your honesty. We have a difficulty with that. We have a difficulty with the worship part of it too. The worship part I have found in my time, I, I have had the privilege of standing in a lot of different churches during worship. A lot of different churches. And it seems that the, the, the response in worship is always dictated by the, the culture of that worship. And what I mean by that is, I don't mean that in an authentic way. Very unauthentic is what I've found. I have been asked to not sit where people can see me if I'm going to raise my hands. And I have been asked if I'm okay because I didn't sing any of the songs. So there must be something wrong. This has been my experience because in one place, no one raises their hands. That's inappropriate. In that culture. And in another place, everybody, everybody raised their hands. It was dark and the fog machines were full of the Spirit. I'm being facetious. They're not really. They're just annoying and they make you cough. And because, and you guys know this, it's not hard for the Lord to take me down a rabbit hole. I would tell this about Randy. Oftentimes, Randy would teach and I would have to go back and listen to his sermon because he would say something and the Lord would take me away. And we would go down and he would teach me something new based on this thing that Randy would say in passing. And I know several of you can understand and articulate that. And so the response of worship has always been dictated by the culture of that church, that specific church, right? What do we, what do we attribute? Raising hands, dancing, moving, jumping around. What kind of age group do we attest that to? Younger group, right? And what do we attest the smacking on the back of the head if you raise your hand up in church? Look, just a little bit older, right? Not much, just a little bit. Right? A little bit of age. I've discovered these things. And it's it's so funny because it is always meant to be and has only ever meant to be divisive, right? It is only ever meant to be divisive. That if you don't respond the way the people around you respond, you're responding wrong. And that, unfortunately, is how we've learned worship and how we've learned prayer. It has been influenced by those around us. And how I pray and how I worship is based on how I think the people around me want me to pray and worship. Right? We're all guilty of this. We've all done it. We've all felt the pressure of when asked to pray, am I going to say something that's going to offend or is going to be wrong to the people I'm praying in front of? Right? We've all felt that. Why is that? It is the design of the enemy, and you've got to give credit where credit's due. He, he's been sly in this to give believers such doubt in the two most foundational things the things that we should exercise the most often, the things that we should be the most comfortable with in this life, on this side of heaven, prayer and worship tend to be the most uncomfortable parts of our Christian walk. The enemy has done this. Because he knows that if believers truly pray, truly worship with reckless abandonment, and have an intimate... We've been talking about this on Wednesday nights. We're going through prayer and worship right now. Prayer is such a reflection of relationship. Depth of prayer is such a reflection of relationship. What is intercession? Again, we talked about this last week. Intercession is an invitation to discover the desires of the Father's heart and then partner with heaven in releasing it. That is intercession. It is standing in the gap and speaking into being that which the Lord has revealed to us that He desires to do in this season right in front of us. That is intercession after all, and can you have deep intercession? Can you know the desires of anyone's heart if you do not know that person? Can, can you know the desires of my heart if you, ever, if you never spend time with me? No. You will only ever see a piece of it, right? If this is your only interaction with me, is on a Sunday morning, Will you ever truly know what is in me? Will I ever truly know what is in you? No. So why would we think that we could ever fully know the heart of God when we spend this much time with Him? Right. So do you see how it is reflective of relationship? Are you with me this morning? Okay. Good. Just a disclaimer. I didn't get home till one o'clock last night. We were we we're out. We we're playing in the rain and mud is all we were doing. Me and my buddies went and got muddy. That's it. Went to a rodeo and played in the mud. And I got home really late. And so your amens are going to serve as a kind of alarm clock to keep me going. So if you stop and I start snoozing, you have yourself to blame. Okay? So you guys better be active this morning. Unless we all got back late, then it's understandable. But the biggest thing... That I've seen as far as prayer and worship, why are they? Why are we so uncomfortable with these two things? It's one word: vulnerability. Prayer and worship is vulnerable, is it not? How many of you, when I told you to give a shout of praise, felt vulnerable in doing that? I felt vulnerable in doing that. Why? Why is that such a? It. In that, you can't argue with this it is a bad it we are told to be vulnerable you got to be honest you got to be vulnerable but no one really wants you to be vulnerable no one really wants you to be honest right they don't want you they do not want cindy's showing up just needing an arrest with the body of christ in the presence of god they don't want that can you is there any more vulnerability than what we saw last week is there any more no there's not And we, we have all been in need of that level of vulnerability, but we have withheld from it. But that's exactly the way we need to live, and that is what prayer and worship bring out of us. It's vulnerability. We don't like vulnerability in this society, in this culture. And the thing is, to be vulnerable, you got to put your heart on the line. We're always worried it's going to get broken. We're going to end up disappointed. But to be vulnerable before the Lord, He's the only one that will not break it. And He's the only one that can take what is broken and put it back together. He's the only one. He's the only one that can do it. There's a sermon on this coming. So I'm not going to get in too much of it. The Lord gave me a beautiful vision about what it is to put a broken heart back together. And we're going to talk about that the, when He releases it. But... He's the only one that can, that can ne- will never break our heart. Something that has become abundantly clear to me over the last several weeks in this season, especially in this season, is that this season will, to participate in it, it will cost you something. It will cost you something. This season requires something from each one of us individually. We have become too accustomed to this life not costing us anything. Where in this book do we read of these people faithfully walking and stepping into obedience before the Father and and walking in obedience to the words that Jesus spoke to them and operating in obedience to the ministry of reconciliation given to them? When do we see in this book it not costing them something? Never. If Jesus is perfect theology and this life costs Him His life, is there anything that we should hold on to thinking this shouldn't shouldn't come at a cost of me losing this? I shouldn't have to lose this to do this. Because His life was forfeit. And He is our Savior. He is perfect theology. He is the one we look to. He is the model of this life that we're meant to live, that we get to live. He is the example. And if it costs Him everything, is there anything that it will not cost us? No, it will cost us everything as well. Again, I like to say this because for some reason this is where we go. That does not mean you're going to have to live in a sackcloth and eat locusts and honey and, and be a hobo making signs down by the river. That doesn't, have, that doesn't mean that will be your life. But it does mean that if the Lord said that is now to be your life, you would give it all up in obedience to God. That's very difficult to do, but that is the requirement. What does it really cost to live for and with the Father who made you for these very things, for this very day? Colossians 1, verse 6. You have to forgive me. I'm going by memory on these verses. Verse 16, I mean, I'm sorry. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. What is included in the all things? You respond to it. What is included in the all things? Are you included in the all things? You are created for Him and through Him. You were created... Let it sink in for just a second. Just let it marinate it. You were created for Him. Period. Period. Every breath you breathe is a gift from heaven to live for Him. Period. You were created for Him. And only through Him were you created. To see the kingdom come, to see lives change, to see the oil release, that the move of the Spirit would be sustained. We talked about this last week that we want to see the fire. We want the Lord to release His Spirit, that revival would break out. Amen? We want that. We want this community to know Jesus, every household to be full of the Holy Spirit, right? Are you with me there? But we just want that end goal. And we focus on that end goal and we forget that the Lord has to do something before. He's not just interested in releasing this quick revival that may fade. Because we've seen revival come to this city before. And we've seen it fade. We've, we've seen it, right? We've, we've experienced this in Christian culture. We all know this, this. We encounter Jesus and we have this powerful encounter. And all of a sudden, His everything I am is His And then after a couple weeks, start stepping back in and claiming mine again. Right? And so we want that fire. Absolutely we want that fire. We want this city to look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. But in order for that to happen, the Lord released this last week. In order for that to happen, He desires to release the oil first. Because oil sustains the fire. I can light a bundle of sticks, and it'll eventually catch. But when I pour that oil on it and then I light it, does it take any time to consume everything that is there? It takes no time at all. It consumes everything. And not only does it consume everything, the oil then begins to sustain it. We read it in Matthew. Jesus says, do not be those that go out with their lanterns and forget their oil, for they only have a fire for a little while. But that which sustains the fire is not with them. And the Spirit has said He wants to release the oil. How is He wanting to release oil? He's wanting to release it through kindness. He's told us this obedience. Fully giving everything I am to what the Spirit releases to me, for me, releases the oil. Every time I say yes to what Jesus reveals to me, there is oil being released that will sustain the fire. Amen? And I would ask this question. To see all these things come to be that we desire to see. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, this is burns in me. I desire to see every home that is and will be in sundown Texas have the Spirit of God dwell in it. Not the physical buildings, I'm talking about the people that fill it. That their hearts would be full of the presence of God. That people would walk into our school and they would encounter the Spirit of God because so all the people that are under that roof carry the Spirit with them. Can you imagine such a place? A public school in the state of Texas that when you walk in, you receive healing just because the presence of God is so thick. To see a kid injured on the sidelines, and instead of rushing him to the trainer and waiting for a doctor's appointment, you just see students operate in obedience and pray healing over him, and he's healed in the moment. That when, oh, here we go. That when communities come here, to this city, there would be revival for everyone that enters the city, and they would take it back to their place their city to their school and lives would be changed just because they spent a little bit of time in this city. It burns in me. It burns in me. And I would ask you, and I know all of you are like, amen to that. I know you are all in agreement with that. None of you are thinking, well, I don't want that much Jesus. None of you are thinking that. I know this. And so now I'd ask this question to see this come to be. Is it not worth your time? Now, I don't come to you with this question just for you. You know that the Lord asked me that question first. Is it not worth your time? Absolutely. It's worth my time. It's worth every second I have to give. Every second that's left for me on this earth. It is worth it that my neighbor would know him. And by the way, we say, you know, it will cost you something. But I've been thinking about that. This season will cost you something. And this season can only cost you something if you hold something. But if I live like this, will it cost you anything? No. It doesn't cost you anything. It only costs us something when we hold it as mine But when it is His, it costs me nothing. Right? Let's just change the way we're thinking a little bit. Let's just change the way... it's None of it's yours. None of it's mine. Everything I have, and I love this because I can absolutely say this with 1,000% certainty. I met my wife... Because the Lord sent people to me that loved the Lord and loved music. And we started a band and that band grew. And then we started an on-campus ministry and I met my wife. Because of that ministry, because of Jesus. Because of worshiping God, I met my wife. Because of worshiping God, I met my best friends. Because of worshiping God, because of giving Him my life, I came to Sundown, Texas. And because of that, you all know this, every dream I've ever dreamed has come to be. Because of Jesus, has would you look at my life and say, it has cost me anything? No, but because of it, I have gained everything. How many of you in here would, would, would desire to hold back something, to claim something and not give it up freely so that your neighbor would know Jesus? All of us would love for our neighbors to know what we know, right? And we'll live, we'll live open. It doesn't cost you anything if you live open and, let, and recognize that it is all His. We've talked about this. this lordship, establishing His lordship over us. Because if I want his friendship through a season, if I want to encounter the presence of God in a place I've never been, he must be Lord over that place before I can encounter his friendship in that place. If I desire his friendship, I must, his, his friendship will never go where his lordship has not already been. And so just continuing to ask us these questions to check ...our heart and check where we are. Is He Lord of your time? Is He Lord of your hopes? Is He Lord of your dreams? Is He Lord of your money? Is He Lord of your job? Is He Lord of every breath you breathe? If He is... ...then you also have a friend in all those areas... ...that seeks to have you as a partner... ...in releasing heaven on earth. And that does not sound like a bad deal. To just simply establish Him as Lord... ...I gain a friend... That will partner with me and will bring me into the fold in releasing heaven on earth. That sounds like a wonderful trade, a wonderful deal. We're in a season of intercession. Again, climbing into the heart of the Father to discover what the desires of His heart are. It's an invitation. Intercession is an invitation to discover what is in the heart of God. For this time, for this season, for this place, what is in the heart of God. And then we get to partner with all of heaven and seeing it released. And if it is a season of intercession, it is also a season of revelation. We've talked about this in, uh, in our Wednesday night studies. But I've, and I've mentioned this in here and I just want to sit with this and explain this a little bit better. As the Lord has brought more to me because this is a statement that I had to chew on for several weeks. The level of revelation I am able to receive is linked to the level of mystery I am willing to live with. And so I'm a visual person. You all know this about me. I learn visually. The Lord speaks to me visually. And so intercession is an invitation into the Lord's heart, discovering the desires of his heart for that season. What is that process but revelation, right? I'm discovering what he desires right now in this season. He reveals it to us. And so if we're in the Father's heart, what is revelation? Revelation is the uncovering of something that has always been but never before clearly seen. So again, if this stool, if you come in here weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and you see this stool but it's under a blanket, you'll never fully know what it is. We can begin to guess at the shape but will you know what the legs look like? Will you know what color it is? Will you know how it's set up? No, we won't know these things because they're yet to be revealed. They're covered up. And revelation is the uncovering of that which was covered up. I couldn't fully see. I couldn't see the details. Now I can see it in fullness. That's revelation. But if this stool is covered up, and that happens to be the desires of the Father's heart for this season, He desires for us To see, he desires to reveal to us if this stool is covered. Say 15 chairs in this room are covered. Say this crazy child's toy saucer thing is covered. There's not a person in the world that could guess what would be under that blanket. That's a weird looking toy. If all these things were uncovered and I'm walking past them and I get to the stool and he reveals to me the stool... And I turn around. I see this with clarity, but all these things are still covered. That's the mystery. If I go to a hospital and there's two people laying side by side and the Lord tells me to pray that they would see the glory of the Lord and then I turn and He says, pray for healing for this one. What's the mystery? Why were they different? The, Mystery will always be associated with the question, with the word, why? Right? Are you willing to live with it? Are you willing to live not having an answer to the mystery that is yet to be revealed? That doesn't mean it won't ever be revealed. That just means right now it's not to be revealed because what He needs you to see for this season, He will reveal. Does that make sense? This revelation and living with revelation and mystery side by side. Are we willing to live? With the mystery that we can receive the revelation for right now. Are we willing to allow him to share and show us what he desires for right now? That's such an interesting question to me. Will we allow God That is already staggering and hard to wrap my mind around. But will we allow him to reveal to us all that he is doing now? Will we allow him to show us what he desires for right now? Why would we not? Why would we not? To let him reveal to us what needs to be revealed and then will we partner with that? Letting go of what we think should happen, or how and when it should happen, and simply partner with what is revealed. This is one of my favorite words since studying for last week, but this word wholeheartedly, it's a beautiful word. To be wholeheartedly His. Wholeheartedly devoted to the desires of His heart that He reveals. To be wholeheartedly partnered with heaven in releasing what the Lord has revealed. Can we be a people Can we actually be a people who are wholeheartedly His? I never in my day, I've seen people that are wholeheartedly His. I've never seen a group of people that are wholeheartedly His. Can we be that people? Really, can we be that people? I pray so deeply beyond words that the answer to that question would be yes. I want to enter heaven with all of you. I want to enter heaven walking side by side with you, meeting you in heaven. And I want to know when we cross into those gates that we were wholeheartedly his. That there would be such rejoicing at the obedience that we walked in. The level of revelation that we understood and walked in that heaven would rejoice at what we are doing, what may be for the first time and being wholeheartedly his. That word wholeheartedly means with complete sincerity and commitment. And I began to think about this a while when I was in Houston for my sister's wedding. Um, What is this question? And I've asked a, uh, a few of the staff this question, but what is our heart's desire as a church? What is the desire of this church's heart? And and considering everything that the Lord has spoken, all that he has released, what is at the base of it all? The foundational desire. That if we were to post anything on our website, this would be the message that we just so desperately, if we were to give any message to this community, this is the message that we would hope they would receive from us. When they see us, when they encounter us, when they talk to us, they would receive this message from us. What is the foundational desire? And that we would wholeheartedly belong to that desire. That one thing, that one message. You know, and, and maybe, maybe a lot of what the Lord has spoken is still a mystery to, to some of us. A lot of it is still a mystery to me. How he how He can do, how He will do the things that He said He wants to do? A mystery. Complete and total mystery to me. I don't fully understand it. Or maybe there are people who are listening online or people who have attended who just haven't been here long enough to have heard all of the things and know the history of the things that the Lord has released in this place. There are people, believe it or not, who don't know who Rhea and Amanda are. And how many of you have been so profoundly impacted by those two women? I mean, profoundly impacted. But there are people that don't know them. They haven't been a part of that story, of this story, the story of this house from that that moment on. They haven't encountered those things. They haven't encountered everything that the Lord has released in this place. And that's fine. If we are wholeheartedly devoted to this base desire, this foundational dream, it won't matter. This should be, this foundational dream, this foundational desire, it should be what the world sees. So, what is the heart of this church? I believe, first off, this is a question that you need to ask yourself. What is, what is at the root in my heart for this city? What is the thing that gives life I've told you mine, to see every home, every person that dwells in this city know the Spirit of God. I I want them to know the name Jesus, but everybody already knows the name Jesus. I want them to know the power of Jesus. And I want them to know what Jesus came to open up for them, which is the Spirit of God, to know the heart of God. The Spirit of God is the only one that knows His heart, and I want this city to know the heart of God. Because we know the Spirit of God that dwells in Him. Amen? That is my foundational desire. So what is yours? And for this church, all of the things that the Lord has spoken, what is at the heart for us? What do we as a church cry out before the Lord over our city? I I have not been able to escape this question. I can't get away from it. And I'm telling you, this has been weeks and weeks. I sat, I had COVID, and the Lord blessed that time. One, because I got to lay in bed, and it was great. And my wife served me well, and it was wonderful. She kept the curtains drawn, the door shut, kids away. It was beautiful. Time of rest. So if you need rest, COVID. (laughs) I don't recommend it, but it worked for me. And I would lay in bed, and I would not be able to escape this thought. I'm telling you, for hours, I would sit there and ponder this, this question. And not because I wanted to, because the Lord wouldn't let me leave it. So I I just give you that backstory so that you understand the seriousness, the, the weight that comes with this question. How important it is for us to know the answer. What do we as a church cry out before the Lord over the city? Is there anything? Before we get to it, do we cry out at all? And the answer is no. We don't really cry out. I'm mean, i talking about crying out. I'm talking about David crying out for the Lord to save us. To do what he needs to do. To release the power of the Spirit. To come after us. To cry out as, as Jesus did in the garden. If this be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, your will be done, not my own. Crying out with such passion and such belief and such conviction... And I know, for me personally, I've never done that. I've never just cried out with such desperation to God. I asked why. The Lord's like, you've never had to. You've never had to. This life has never required it from you. But now it does, and now we must. The children of God, which is who we are, must cry out that this city may know Jesus. To people of one thirst and one hunger. I had Jay lead us in that song because I have not been able to escape that thought of one thirst and one hunger. That when people drive into sundown, they would see a people that are of one thirst and one hunger. Such a beautiful image, just four words, so beautiful. Beautiful. What is our one thirst and hunger? I've asked the Lord this for weeks again. And at the root of it all, what is the desire in in his heart for this season and for this house? Because he had to be the one. I couldn't find it within ourselves. It's like, Lord, you have to show me. what, What do you desire to be this church's cry. That every day this would be what consumes our thoughts. That when we gather together, I could speak this and we would know exactly what we're all talking about. And we would be completely united and united in our hearts for this one thing, this one thirst, this one hunger. And it was simply this. And it is so simple. And there's so much within it. And we've already talked about how much is within it. But there's so much within it. And I don't know that anyone would disagree with this. But the desire, the cry that the Lord desires to hear from us. What is prayer again? Right? John 15 says, If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish. and It will be done for you by this. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciple. He desires for us to ask for the things that he puts in our heart. So I said, Lord, what is the thing that you desire for us to ask for in this house, in this season right now, that you would release and be glorified and that we would prove to be your disciples through the releasing of this? And it was, simple, it was so simple. For heaven to come now in this city. Do you disagree with that? Is there anyone in here that's like, nah, I don't know, let's not do that? No, for heaven to come now. Is there any more base desire than that? For heaven to come now, to be established in this city. For all those in sundown to walk in the fullness of who they were made to be, all things made for him and through him. For all those in sundown to walk in the fullness of who they were made to be, to see and sundown, to see all in sundown, know and walk with the Spirit of God. For all to be welcomed here in this city and in this house and for all to know the name of Jesus and not know just His name, not know how to spell it, but know the name of Jesus because it has set them free. Do you disagree with anything I've said? For heaven to come now and all those things are held within heaven, are they not? But heaven is here. We are here. And we are the authority of heaven. Co-heirs with Christ. We are royalty. And when we tell the army of heaven to move, it moves. I know the lights are flickering. That's another thing that we'll get to later. It's just the spirit trying to get your attention. Okay, just take it as that. Ignore all else. I I, I spoke this on Wednesday night, and so if you've listened to that, you've heard this. But I had this conversation with someone at the school, and just about all the things that are changing, and the new staff, and the staff that uh, the that staff that left, and one, the staff that left, a lot of people. One, they were at the end of their time, and they went through COVID. I don't, I can't imagine a harder time to be a teacher than through that season, especially at the end of your career. My goodness. So but a lot of people retired, a lot of people moved because their husbands got different jobs and different things like that, or we had a lot, and I think this is the most beautiful thing, and I celebrate it, there was a lot of moms, new moms that were just like, I want a career, but I want it after my kids. I want to raise my kids first, I want, I want, to, get, I want to get to spend time with my kids, I'm like, that's great, do it, it's awesome. We get to do that, and I'm so blessed that the Lord allows us to do that, and um, but we were talking about all the change and all the things that are going on financially at the school and all the things that have to happen in the future for that school to still be a building full of people. And it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a scary time if you don't have hope, if you don't believe that the Lord is not finished with this city. And I just remember telling her that my kids will graduate from that school, period. And I've got a six-month-old, so she's got a ways to go. So this school's got to be around for a while. But it's just like, I'm not moving from that place. This city will thrive. And I refuse to accept anything else. Right? And it's just, it's just that simple of taking a stand. People talk about taking a stand. That's become like a very popular uh, term these days. And I think they're missing the message. But taking a stand to see the kingdom of heaven established. And I, will re- I refuse to remove myself from that place that all people in this city will know Jesus and walk with the Spirit. And I will not budge from that. And I will not be satisfied until I see that. Amen? Until I see it released. And will we be a people who usher in the kingdom of God into our city? Sarah, you got to help them. Will we be a people? Because we get to be the ones that usher in the Spirit of God into the city or we get to be the people who don't? We get to be the people who do it or that refuse to. But will we be the people that say the Spirit of God will fill this city and I will not move from that place? And when I I see storms coming, I will say the Spirit of God will fill this city. And I will not move. in that storm, I'm telling you what, if you do not move, if you do not, if you do not take a step back, but you stand your ground, you be this lighthouse that shines. A lighthouse does not turn off its light when the storm comes. It shines brighter in the storm. And if we will be those people, I refuse to be quiet. I refuse to be dimmer. I will shine brighter when I see the storm coming because I know this city and I believe that this city will receive the Spirit of God and it will dwell and it will remain here long past my life. That my children will live in a city and they will be some of the first to know a city that has only known the Spirit of God all their days. Can you imagine? An oasis of of the kingdom here on earth. Why not here? Why not? It will be if we stand on that place. And we continue to cry out, heaven, come now. Fill these these homes, fill these hearts now. And we refuse to flee from that place. When people come against us, we refuse to move. Psalm 57, verse 2. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. Can we together every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time we gather, every time we see each other in a store, every time we see each other driving down the road, can we together... With this desire burning in us, cry out that heaven would come and heaven would come now. Because if we cry out to God most high, we will see a God who fulfills His purpose in us. All we have to do is cry out. And God will fulfill His purpose in us. And His purpose is to release the kingdom of heaven through us. And if we cry out to Him for it, He will do it. He will fulfill that purpose in us. Every day, and we pray this, will you partner with me? Don't just say yes if you don't mean it, but will, you, will we partner together in praying and crying out to God for Him to do this now, for Him to release heaven, for Him to reveal to us what it is that we would do each and every day, that He would fill the, uh, the streets with the Spirit of God. It would overflow, that when any outsider, anybody came into this city, they would meet their Creator. They would meet their Savior and they would be free, not just meet him, but they would, the chains would just fall off just because they entered the city limits and they would stay off when they leave. And what they would take back to wherever they're going would be the same freedom that would release the chains of those around them. Can we stand on that place and can you partner with me in crying that out every day, period, and not budge from that place? Are we good with that? Ooh, that's a big flicker. That was a yes from the Lord, all right. But we can't wait any longer. I can't wait any longer. Can we together? Can we together be the people who usher in the honey from the rock? Can we be that people that usher in the honey from an impossible place? Amen. Can we be the people that walk on a path that is impossible to walk on? It's not possible that it exists. Can we be that people? Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.